Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode that is going to be put out on both of my channels. So I have Fighting for Writing and I have Mama Margaret Took an Axe. Yes. For those of you who just listened to Fighting for Writing, that is my true crime podcast that I have made. And it has already premiered and there are episodes out. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about the process of writing and researching for a podcast because that is also writing. And that is something that I have done. And so this is going to kind of be like a crossover episode between my own podcasts, which I don't know, maybe that makes me sound full of myself. I'm crossing over with myself, crossing over. Woohoo! So for the Mama Margaret, this is going to be about how I researched that and how I wrote a podcast and where I record and everything. I'm currently at my aunt's house watching cats, and one of them's trying to get under the blanket where my computer is sitting. So I'm just going to move that real quick. Well, she looked like she was trying to get under the blanket because she was pawing at it, and now she's doing something else. Let's see what she's... Now she's pulling the blanket back on the other side. Oh, I'm not supposed to know what she's doing. She just gave me a look when I looked at her. So now she left. All right, anyway... Right, so a podcast. Yes, so I have a true crime podcast called Mama Margaret Took an Axe. And for those of you listening on Mama Margaret Took an Axe, I have a podcast called Fighting for Writing, where I just talk about my journey as an author and writing and where I write and how I write and my books that I have written and how I'm trying to find a literary agent, etc. blah, blah, blah. Right, so let's get into this. I honestly don't remember what I was researching when I found the case of John Hosack, which is what I guess I should preface a little bit for the people who listen to Fighting for Writing. My podcast, Mama Margaret Took an Axe, is about the murder of a man called John Hosack in 1900 in Iowa, and his wife was suspected of murdering him. And that's like the quick rundown version. And his wife's name was Margaret Hosack, hence the name. So... Yes. I don't remember what I was researching. I was probably just typing in like old cases or old murder cases or maybe even assassins because after I read The Day of the Jackal, I was on like this assassin kick where I wanted to know about all these different historical assassinations and or modern day assassins and how many had been successful and things like that, and assassinations that changed the world. I don't know if it came up on that, but it might have. But basically, I was randomly looking at stuff online. I clicked on this website, which is an Iowa cold case website, and the murder of John Hosack came up, and what grabbed my attention was one of the headlines or something was murder defense rests on dog, and the dog was a witness or something like that. (laughs) The dog was a witness in court, which... According to everything I have read, they did not bring the dog into court and they did not question the dog about John's murder, but there was a dog involved. (laughs) Of course, that caught my attention, so I clicked on it and read this little Iowa cold case article about the murder of John Hosack, which led me to the book The Midnight Assassin, A Murder in America's Heartland, and that is by Patricia L. Bryan and Thomas Wolfe. And they do have a website, and it's called www.midnightassassin.com. And 
they had written a whole book about this case of John and Margaret Hosack. And my library just happened to have it. So I was like, you know what? Why not? Let's go for it. So that's how my research began. I read this random article that talked about the dog and I found their book and I read their book. And it was very fascinating to me. I felt like some parts were long and unnecessary for the Margaret Hosack case, but I understood that they were also talking about things during the time and other people that weren't necessarily involved in the trial but were there. And they talked about Lizzie Borden because some people called Margaret Hosack like the Lizzie Borden of Iowa because it was presumed that an ax was used to kill John Hosack. And the Lizzie Borden case had, I don't remember how many years before it was, maybe it wasn't more than 10 years before was the Lizzie Borden case, which I feel like everyone at least knows a little bit about Lizzie Borden. If you don't, she murdered her stepmother and her father, or she maybe did. I, I still don't know about that one. I still don't know if Lizzie actually murdered her father and stepmother. The jury didn't think so. She got off, but they compared this to that trial and that whole mess. So I read their book, but like I said, there were chapters that just kind of went off about Susan Glassbell, who I'll bring up again. She was a reporter who was there in her life. And I was like, okay, like that's nice, but I really just want to know about the Margaret Hosack trial. But it was still a really, so I felt, let me, let me rephrase that. So it was still really well-written. I felt like parts of it dragged and I didn't really care about other cases or things they were talking about. I cared about Margaret Hosack. But by the end, it was a really powerful novel and interested me enough to make a podcast about it. And that is what I used as my main source was this Midnight Assassin book. Because, I mean, Patricia L. Bryan and Thomas Wolfe, they really researched. They did a lot of good research for this book and, you know, went through files and looked at reports. And so... I did use that as my primary source, but I also double-checked some things, you know, with other websites, with especially with Susan Glassbell, the reporter that I mentioned earlier, you know, like a minute ago. She was present at the trial of Margaret Hosack, and she took dedicated notes and was publishing them for the newspaper, I believe it was a newspaper that she worked for. Don't quote me on that. I can't remember exactly. But she was there. She was recording everything as it happened. So she's like a primary source for the court proceedings and for reactions. And so I kind of double-checked the Midnight Assassin book with her telling of what happened. And I did notice that there were a few differences actually so in the midnight assassin they talk about dr oh gosh i don't dr dale was that the coroner's name <laughs> i can't remember you know what hang on give me one second well you know what yeah let me look that up yes it was dr dale there were so many doctors in the story guys i should probably make a list of all the characters for you guys but dr dale was the coroner who suspected basically from the get-go that Margaret Hosack had murdered her husband and he was the one who originally talked about how the kids' own words kind of incriminated their mother because they were saying how their father was talking and how he had a blood clot 
the size of a teacup on the side of his head. He said that that wouldn't have been possible for him to be talking because of those conditions right after the murder. But, you know, according to Margaret, it probably happened right then, and she went and grabbed her children. So that was Dr. Dale. Well, when I read Susan Glassbell's version of the story, Dr. Dale was never present at the trial and her retellings, unless I completely missed it. And in The Midnight Assassin, it did talk about Dr. Dale being at the trial, which, I mean, maybe he was at the trial too. Maybe she just missed that part, was late that day, didn't write about it. I'm not sure. But in Susan Glassbell's writings, she did just write about doctors Porterfield and Cerber being at the trial and both of them testifying. And so because she was actually there, I went with that version of the trial. But like I said, there could have been more evidence that Dr. Dale was present and did testify at the trial, and it would make sense. He is the coroner. He was there the night of the murder, and so that would actually make 100% sense, you know, that he would be also at the trial. I just didn't see that in her writings, and I didn't want to portray the trial wrongly and put people there that weren't there. Not that, like I said, not that Patricia O'Brien and Thomas Wolfe did that because they probably found evidence that he was there. I just didn't. So I just wanted to double check with her writings. And so I feel like that's very good. Just as a research tip, if you find someone who's written a book about it, just double check the facts, you know. But I feel like that should be something we do in life anyway because I feel like we just tend to believe whatever we... can't speak whatever we read online without double checking who wrote it or any of the sources or seeing if what they said is actually true with something and so I feel like if you are going to write a podcast and portray it as truth you should definitely try and back up what you're saying with your sources (laughs) is basically what I'm saying of course there were times when I took a few liberties. Like in the episode about the murder of John Hosack, I talk about, let's see, was it James? Too many children. The two children, can't remember everyone's names. It was either Cassie and James or May and James that ran over to their neighbor's house, the Haynes's house. And here, let me just double check that too. Like I wrote this podcast. You see how good my memory is, right? Okay. It was May and Jimmy. That's what I thought. Cassie ran for the other neighbor first, the Nichols. Okay. See, I remember random things. I just can't, can't remember all the names. So it was May and Jimmy ran to the Haynes's house And, of course, I didn't know what they were thinking, but I kind of wrote what I thought they would be thinking when they were there, you know, worrying about their father, worrying that someone else was on the road because their mother said there might have been an intruder. Those are obviously things that I don't know if they were thinking. And I feel like that hopefully came across. I was like, surely they must have been thinking. I didn't say they were thinking that, but that's just what I would be thinking if I had to run across a field. I would be worried that my father would die while I was away, and I'd be worried that whoever killed him might be coming for me. So whether or not they were thinking that, of course, I don't know. 
but I tried to keep my podcast as true as possible and not insert myself as much into it, obviously, because I was trying to tell the story of them, not my version of the story of them. And so double-checked my sources, read this whole book, The Midnight Assassin, double-checked with Susan Glassbell. I also did some research on Family Search just to look up John Hosack and his family and his parents because it didn't talk much about them in the book. And it didn't... I mean, Margaret's family was important as well, but they weren't really in the novel or in the story because once she married John, she left her family and only ever saw her brother Donald again. And in the book, The Midnight Assassin, it didn't talk much about John's childhood or anything. And I don't a lot in the podcast either because I couldn't find a lot of information, but I did want to know who his parents were and also if he had any siblings. And I did find one who was Alexander, I believe. And so I did use family search and some genealogical websites to try and find that. I did find find a grave was useful for looking for his parents as well because, and I didn't talk about this in the podcast, but I believe if I remember correctly, his parents actually ended up moving down to Iowa with him and being there for a while before they passed away because, like I said, if I'm remembering correctly, it wasn't part of my podcast, but I'm pretty sure his parents are buried next to him or around him in Iowa, which means that they were there when they passed away. And so I used that to kind of connect them with him and then go to Family Search and look for records that substantiated what time they left Scotland and who was on the list of people coming in to Canada and things like that. So I definitely tried hard to find those resources that would back up anything about John's family because I did not know a lot about them and no idea what happened to his brother Alexander. No idea if he stayed in Canada, went back to Scotland, moved to Iowa, if he had anything to do with John ever again. I He could have died for all I know. I don't think he did die before John, but I can't remember what was written on his family search page, but I just have, you know, Margaret's brother Donald was there. She never saw the rest of her family. John Hosack's family, like not his kids with Margaret, but his own family, his parents and his brother, no idea what happened to them. But to me, that also was an import, super important to the story because the story was about the relationship of John and Margaret and all their children and what happened because of that. So Although I did try and find substantiating evidence just for that first episode where I talk about the history of John Hosack, that is, that wasn't the point of the podcast, so I didn't put more time and effort into that. But definitely use resources that you can, like Find a Grave, Family Search, other genealogical websites that I don't even know about. Family Is Family Tree one of them, maybe? I'm not quite sure, but use what you have. Those are things that I have. And I also did put a little history about Iowa and such, you know, reading Iowa pages of history and 
articles about what it was like at the time and how they helped in the Civil War and how just settlers were coming in and taking over the land after the Civil War because they were like, hey, move west, you know? So I did research that just to put a little historical context in. The Anamosa State Penitentiary, same thing. It was written about in The Midnight Assassin. And I went and also researched that as well just to make sure that what they were saying was right. And it was. I mean, you can go look at photos. I believe the building is still standing. It does look like a fortress. You know what? I'm going to double check that right now. Let's look up. I don't want to lead you guys astray, but I'm pretty sure I remember looking up the Anamosa State Penitentiary and it was still there. But <clears throat> I also recently watched the Shawshank Redemption and it could just I could just be thinking about <laughs> the prison that they filmed there because that is also still standing. So let me look up Anamosa State Penitentiary real quick. Cause I don't want to lie to you guys. I don't know if it's still a penitentiary, to be honest. Oh no, yep, it's still work. Yep, but you should go look at it like it does look like a little medieval castle, and that's why I kind of described it like that. When they were describing it in the book, I was like, oh, it kind, of, kind of sounds like a fortress. And then you go look up pictures of it, and it like it legit looks like it's a random like castle fortress in the middle of Anamosa, and it's just there. <laughs> and so, yes, I did look up photos to describe what it looked like with towers and things like that which is always fun. I always like looking at pictures of the places that are in my stories to see what they are actually like, you know, since I've never been to the Anamosa State Penitentiary and don't plan on going to the Anamosa State Penitentiary at all, ever. I mean, to maybe look, but I meant like as a prisoner, you know, I don't, that's not on my list of things to do to go to jail. And I'm trying to think of what else. So yeah, the writing process, um, after talking about all that in research, you know, I wrote the podcast and I wrote it out because it was, I don't know if I would write it out. Basically I did write out everything that I said in the podcast because I was nervous about messing up and putting things in the wrong order because I just tend to ramble and I'm pretty disorganized as you guys know, like right now and just kind of hop all over the place. I think if I make a future podcast, I might just take notes and kind of build the story off my notes, but we'll see. And so I started writing. Basically what I did was I, when I finished reading Midnight Assassin, I kind of went back through the book and just like skimmed and wrote down important notes like date of death or date of the murder, December 1st, 1900. He died December 2nd in the morning. Teacup sized blood, blood clot on his head, an ax, his skull splintered in, you know, the important parts, the important points, I just wrote as bullet points. And then from there, I crafted the story. And especially when it came to the trial, because I didn't use the exact words that were used at the trial, I presented the evidence in what I hope is a way that everyone will understand it. And that's how it was. I wrote down the important things wrote it out, and then when I was done writing it out, you know, double-checked it with my sources as well to make sure I hadn't added anything of my own fantastic imagination or anything like that. And once again, double-checked it with Susan Glassbell's writings and 
when I originally wrote it out, I did have Dr. Dale at the trial. And then once I read through her writings again and realized that I didn't see him in them, not like once again, not that he wasn't there and perhaps she did write about him and I just missed it or that page was missing in the document I found, but I didn't see mention of him at the trial in her writings. And so I went back and actually changed that whole part of the trial. I did mention Dr. Dale and the article that he was quoted in about the teacup, tea, I can't say that word, teacup-sized blood clot and the speech and how he thought that that gave Margaret away as the murder. But I didn't, like I said, I summarized that so people would remember that. And then I went into doctors Porterfield and Cerber talking at the trial instead of him. And so I did rewrite that whole part of my podcast based on Susan Glassbell's writings just because I didn't want to say that someone was there that wasn't. But once again, like I said, I would have assumed that Dr. Dale would have been there testifying as well since he was a coroner. I just didn't add that into my podcast. And yeah, so start out with bullet points. Obviously, you don't want any plagiarism happening. So don't, if you're researching don't quote directly from the book that you're using or the website unless you state that you're doing so and say, you know, quoting Patricia O'Brien and Thomas Wolfe from their book, The Midnight Assassin, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, I used their ideas and got information from them, but I didn't plagiarize from them, so... That's important to know. That's important to do. And I felt like it was harder at the beginning to write out the podcasts. You know, the first two episodes, I felt like it was a lot like the book because those are important parts of the story, like the actual murder happening. And you can't really describe it or change facts. And so that was kind of following in line with the book. I will say the book has a lot more information about everyone who visited the farm and people holding John's hand until he died and things like that, which to me, like I said, I feel like I wanted to focus more on Margaret and her children than everyone else who was involved neighbor-wise, and so I left those parts out. So I hope this was helpful if you have wanted to write a podcast, you know, do your research, take notes, and build from there. Once I had everything written out, I just started recording. I recorded just in my bedroom. Like, I don't have a recording studio or anything like that. I have one microphone, and I just hold it in my hand because that's what I prefer, and that's how I recorded Mama Margaret Took an Axe. And that's how that came to pass, and... Basically, just do your research. Make sure what you are saying or writing is as correct as you can get it, I'll say, because sometimes even primary sources probably, not probably, let's just be honest, sometimes primary sources aren't the best sources. They'll make things up too, you know, they'll embellish the story to make it sound more exciting to sell newspapers or anything like that. But just be aware, you know, do your research. Don't plagiarize, and once you're done with your research, craft your story from there. 
And this was my episode about basically how I wrote a true crime podcast. It was definitely interesting enough for me to do it. And that's another thing I would say before this episode is over that do something that interests you. I've read a lot of cases where they are interesting to me, but I don't want to spend months because it probably took me two months, like reading the book and then doing extra research and plotting everything out. It probably took me two or three months because I can't remember when I read first read The Midnight Assassin, but sometime over the summer, to actually do that and then recording everything and getting everything edited probably took another month and a half maybe. So it's it was a long process. And I mean, you could probably do it faster. I still work a full-time job, so I just have to work when I can on my podcasts. But yeah, that is Mama Margaret Took an Axe and how I wrote a true crime podcast. So if you're listening on Mama Margaret Took an Axe, go check out Fighting for Writing. If you're listening on Fighting for Writing, go check out my true crime podcast, Mama Margaret Took an Axe. You can follow me on Instagram at TatesAPB is my personal Instagram. You can follow me at Tate Presents, which is my podcast Instagram where I will be posting future podcast things such as a series that I want to do about assassins because like I said kind of became obsessed with assassins after reading Day of the Jackal once again could be months before it comes out but Tate Presents on Instagram is where I will be posting future podcasts related material you can also find photos from Mama Margaret Took an Axe and anything I created for that podcast there and You can check out my website, tatesapb.com. And thank you so much for listening. Enjoy reading. Enjoy writing. Enjoy podcasts. And enjoy life.